we're going to jump right into our lesson. And this is it. Here as in heaven. And um, this is part two of a five-week series uh, called Here as in Heaven, where we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember last week, what we kind of went through line by line, and we're like, we're going to take each line and spend a whole week on it. And we're going to try our hardest to shake up the ways that we typically like start to just say it rotely. We can memorize this prayer, and it never means it never means anything. It never actually hits our heart and says like, man, do something to change. You know, repent. Do, do something different. And so we're gonna dig into it. So let's say the whole thing. This is this is the whole thing. We don't have to repeat it all together. <laughs> Uh, but this is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we today, so last week we looked at the first uh, eight, eight words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, we're going to look at this. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And what does that mean? Because the reality is, guys, that we can, we can, this turns into like a song, it turns into a poem. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't actually like really dig in and meditate on what this could be saying. Sometimes we, if we're trying to figure out what this means, the most base level interpretation, what usually we say it somewhat frustratedly, <laughs> is something like this. God, I cannot wait till you come back and make all these crazy, crazy people pay for what they have done. We're just fed up with the world and we're like, come God, take care of it all. And when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we can kind of have that frustrated mentality where we're like, come and fix it, God, please come help. We can elevate that a little and not be quite, quite as intense, and we can just think, God, everything would be better if everyone did exactly what you want. And that's not, that's not wrong, that's, that's true. But what we, it's still so external to us. And that's the point of this lesson. We could elevate it a little bit more and just say, hey God, please let your vision of what our world should look like come into reality. How, what did you create this world for, God? Like, what was the point of all this? Can we get back to that? Can we, can we somehow do what you want us to do? And so my first point is, it's kind of a strange title for a point, but it is getting into position. And I could have done this last week because it fits just as well with last week's lesson, but I'm doing it now. The point of this point is to understand that the, the Lord's Prayer is broken into two main sections. Last week and this week are the first part, and then the next three weeks that we're going to look at are the, are the second part. And here's, here's how that breaks down, okay? So here's the prayer. The first part is about God. And it's about us 
positioning ourselves in the correct way so that we are who we are and God is who God is. And so we talk about God, your and hallowed be your name, your kingdom, and your will. And we're not just saying that as the preamble. We're saying that for a very specific reason. We're trying to put God in his rightful position, and then we assume the subservient, lower position. Your name, your kingdom, your will. And then we can go on and do some presenting of some requests or some pleas or some asks. But the last three uh, parts are all about what we are presenting for, for him. The, the requests, give us, forgive us, please lead us and deliver us. But many times when we pray, we jump right into the, the, the requests. And we don't spend any time in our hearts positioning ourselves before God, it's almost like we come to God as the vending machine, and we know there's a price, and we're like, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not expecting stuff for free, but we, but we see it as something that we just ask for stuff, and we don't spend time positioning our hearts before the throne of God, and really spending time humbling ourselves, exalting Him. And that's what's so great about the first part of the Lord's Prayer, is if we can spend some time focusing on God's name, God's will, God's kingdom. And uh, we need to make him a holy, loving, mighty, powerful father and ruler and king. And so that leads me right into our first, our, I guess our second point, kingdom. Now, we did, if you, were, if you came to the park last summer, we did an entire series on kingdom. And I would just say, go back and listen to that. And, but I want to I kind of like bring us back up to speed on what kingdom is. If we're going to pray, your kingdom come, we need to have some idea of what that even means. And so, here's, here's what that word is. It's... Basilea, if you remember. And it doesn't mean kingdom as in a place. It doesn't mean kingdom as in a group. It doesn't mean kingdom as in some, something that I can go to and now I'm in the kingdom. It means the reign of the king. Remember, it's, it's one of the dumb words. Kingdom, wisdom, boredom. It's these things that are nouns, but they're not, they're not a thing. They're a state of being. And so when you are in the kingdom of God, you are living under his reign as king. And so you can, you can join, just like you, you go to the library for wisdom, but being in the library doesn't make you wise. Okay? We talk about America being the land of freedom, but that doesn't mean you step foot on this and you are now free. It's a state of being that has to be attained, and the kingdom is that. If you want to live a kingdom life, you have to find the reign of the king and live under that and subject yourself as a subject of the king. You can't lift yourself up and be like, you know, like, I can, I can do what I want. If, if, when you do that, you're outside of the kingdom. You're, you're outside of the reign of the king. Other translations of the Lord's Prayer put it this way. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you 
as you are obeyed in heaven. Wow. In the Young's literal, it literally just says, thy reign come. Come and, and just rule, God. But here's, even both of these can kind of make the same mistake that we're seeing all throughout our, our very like individualistic like view of the, the, the Lord's Prayer, is that it's always out there. It's always other people. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth. And guys, what I'm trying to do is like, as hard as I can, I'm trying to drag the Lord's Prayer back into our heart and have it be about my response to these things. I asked this question last week. Do I want a distant place more than a daily commitment to obey? I talked, I said that, I asked that when we talked about heaven. When I think of heaven, do I just want some like cloudy land after I die? Or do I want to live today that way? And we're going to, this is very similar to what we're going to be talking about today. But the same applies to the kingdom. Is it a far off land where everyone loves God? Like what that one version said. Is it, a, is it a thing where, man, I just wish everyone would obey, but then that would be God setting up his kingdom. And, and we miss that it, we're still asking for everyone else to do something. And we're not bringing it into our heart, and we're saying, what is my state of devotion in my heart to God? Do you want the kingdom as it's easier to think of it as just like a place or a group. Now I'm in the kingdom. It's harder. Remember we talked to when we were meeting at the pavilion? We talked about the pavilion as an analogy for the kingdom. And you can choose. Like, I want to, you know, if it's, if it's raining out, I want to be under the pavilion. And then you're like, I don't want to be under the pavilion anymore. And it's so similar in our hearts with our devotion to the king. And so how many times throughout the day do you say, I don't want to be in, I don't want to be under your reign anymore right now. Now, you're, you're probably smart enough not to say, God, I don't want to be in your kingdom anymore. But how many times do you say, I don't want you to tell me what to do anymore. I want to do what I want to do. We're saying, I don't like to be under your reign. And so I, I want us to just keep trying to do that. Whenever we start to think about these things and they're, they're outside, they're external, they have to do with other people. And I'm just going to keep reminding us out this whole series. Let's try to like drag it back in to be about our hearts. And so what does it mean when Jesus, when Jesus said this? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a hotly debated sentence in the Bible. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in fact, the way that you interpret that has a lot to say about you. And there are people that, well, I think we forget, like, well, Jesus meant something, okay? Jesus meant something by that. And we're trying to figure out, like, well, what did Jesus mean when he said it? But we can't just use this statement as like a blank canvas and we can put whatever we want on it. 
We don't get to project our own feelings on, on earth as it is in heaven. Some people, we talked about like theologically kind of the, the range of how people uh, interpret some of this stuff. But some people think they'll use this to talk about end times. Even like what we talked about last week, like with the perfect earth and all of that. Like this is describing what the final reign and God will come down and rule us and it'll be perfect. And that's what this is talking about. God will make this place just like heaven. But then some people will think, no, this is talking about us doing work right now. Like tangibly, like we got to pass the laws. We got to set up the governments. We got to kind of, you know, this utopian type you know, thing. We got to make this world look as close as we think heaven is going to look like. And what's, which one's right? And you might even be like, ugh, both of those sound a little weird to me. And yet, this is what I'm trying to say, is that both of those things are still so external to us. They're still about, God, do this, do this. Or we'll say, we have to do this and it's, it's out here. It's not inside here. And so what's funny is these three words that Jesus prays in this sentence, kingdom, will, and heaven, I won't bore you with the Greek, but Jesus in the very next chapter uses the same three words in a different way to describe a responsibility for people. He echoes them in chapter 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so when we pray this prayer, we can read those three words, and it can be like, God, I, I really just want you to fix this place. It's so messed up. And yet in the next chapter, Jesus makes the same three words much more personal. He's bringing them much closer. He's actually kind of, it's kind of a scary passage. It's not about your membership. Do you have the right, are you carrying the right card, membership card? Or do you, do you have perfect church attendance? You show up all the time. That's great. But here's, a, here's another way to think about this. Is the grace of God taking root in your heart and causing transformation? Did God's love change you? Did it change you so much that his will is actually pouring out of you? Because when that happens, that's kingdom light. And so I'm, I'm kind of like delaying the, what I'm, like the main thrust of what I'm, gonna, I'm trying to say. But I'm, I'm just, and just keep building up. I have this really weird story about a teacher Let's say that the, the mom's name is Karen, and this is Susie, or whatever. And Susie comes home with, like, lots of bad reports about her behavior. And so mom is like, well, I'm going to go find out. She's like, what, why, why are you getting, like, written up all the time? And Susie's like, oh, she's mean to me. The teacher's mean to me. And so mom's like, well, I'm going to find out what's going on. Why are you mean to my daughter? So she goes, and she sits in class. And the whole class, there's no problems. There's, everything is perfect. And the mom's just like scratching her head, like, why? This isn't what I read on my report, because you said that Susie was acting really bad. This isn't what I, my, my, my Susie told me, because she said that you were acting really bad. 
And so she met with the teacher afterwards, and she's like, so why are you mean to my daughter when I'm not there? And then when I come, you're nice to my daughter. And the teacher, if we have any teachers in the room, they know they've lived through this. They're like, well, I, I didn't change anything. Susie changed by your presence in class. And so we didn't have any behavior issues, so I didn't have to discipline her, and that, nothing went wrong. But your presence changed the way your child behaved. Everything they did was different because they knew you were there. <laughs> and what I'm talking about is, is do we have this perspective of our relationship with God? And so I'm going to, I'm still delaying it, guys. This is just still like bleeding up. But this is a very important question. How, what do you think heaven's going to be like? What do you think you're going to do in heaven? Whether it's the far off cloudy place or the perfect earth here or anything in between. What are you going to do? What's your daily agenda going to be like in heaven? When you're surrounded and you're only like fully enveloped, living in perfect synchronicity with the with the glory and glamour and like honor of the lord and he's right there what are you going to do how are you going to get up what are you going to like you're like i'm just going to wake up and praise god all day long i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm always gonna feel joyful like great can you can you start to try to live like that here you're like well but here's all messed up and it's and you immediately take everything and you make it external. And we never ask the question, well, maybe, maybe that's what God wanted, is for people to just decide to live in this communion with him. But now here, my flesh tells me what to do. Now here, it's way too hard to live according to God's will. And so... I think when we talk about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, like, what is God's will? And even that, even that is still external. Like, we still think, man, if, if these people did this thing, that, that God would be happier. And we forget that there's still a huge responsibility in our hearts. And it's kind of a strange story, but this is, this is a story in Luke where these these, uh, these Jews came to, to Jesus, and they told him a story about these Galileans. And something really horrible had happened with Herod, or Pilate, and, and he, like, killed them, and he defiled their, their sacrifice, and it was, it was a horrible thing. But they come to him, and they're like, hey, did you hear about this juicy thing? And some theologians think that what, what they're trying to say is, like, hey, uh, do you think God is punishing Galileans? Like, are they, are they bad? Are they in sin? They, did they do something wrong? And Jesus replies with this. And you've, I'm sure you've all heard of this. Repent or perish. But what Jesus was doing, it wasn't like, you know, some like old school preachers use this as like the turn or burn scripture. Like, repent or perish. And that's valid, but what Jesus is actually doing is saying, hey, it's not about other people. It's about you. Like, why are you so concerned about their sin 
when you have stuff that you need to address and deal with in your heart? Do you think that, he says, do you think that they're worse off because they went through this really bad thing? They're not. They're just like you. And you could suffer the same fate if you don't repent. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is we are, we are built in. It is ingrained in us to take responsibility and put it somewhere else. Oh, man, you're telling me I need to change? It would be better if they all changed. Oh, man, you're telling me that I have sin in my life? So does the whole world. Let me know when they're done repenting, and then I'll start repenting. Repentance is the first step. And since way before Jesus' time, people have always been trying to make everything someone else's problem. And even right now, it's very easy. Many of you could be doing this. You're hearing the things I'm saying, and you're thinking about other people and what they need to do. We have to pull that back and remind ourselves that when we're praying to God, we shouldn't be praying about what everybody else needs to do. We're not presenting anything yet. We're still positioning ourselves before God. And so here is my last question. Do I strive to live as though God was with me here, right here? Or, when I get really frustrated, do I just wish everyone else did that? It goes back to that very first statement I said. Like, God, just come back and take care of everything. Yeah, because that would be easy. It's outside of you. What if God answered you and said, I am. I'm starting with your heart Here's your sins that you need to repent of. You'd be like, no, 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 no. I, I meant fix other people first and then let me enjoy the bliss of living in a less sinful world. I want to make the world a better place. I want to fix this place. The world is broken. I'm done with this place. We think about everything that. But if we interpret this as a personal commitment, your kingdom come here. Your will be done here. And when I say on earth, I mean here, not everywhere else. If I'm in sin, and I really am serious about demonstrating what your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the first step is I need to repent of my sin. You know, works are great, and I do want people to be taken care of, and I want good deeds in the world. I want all that. But I can't say, well, that's more important than this. We need to live as though God was right here with us. And so that's what here as in heaven means. And I'm just going to have some questions. So what would you do right now? And I, I really want us to use the, the most creative imagination that we have, okay? God literally comes down in whatever form you want him to be in and he just hangs out with you all day long. And he's just here. If we didn't all just like fall down dead from being in his presence, if he, if he allowed us to just kind of go about our day, what would that day look like? What would your day look like if God were just beside you? 
And he was just like, hey, don't mind me. Just go about your business. You do your thing. I'm just going to hang out and watch or hang out with you. What would your, what would your fellowship like at church be? What would evangelism look like? What would personal righteousness look like? And when we start to realize that, oh my goodness, if God were here, I would do things very different than I'm doing them. And when we, when we make that, when we understand that in our brains, and we go, oh yeah, well then why am I doing them now? Like, if this is what I would do if God were here, why am I doing anything different now? My prayer, my plea, like I'm begging, is like, let's try to start doing those things. And so here as in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is very simple in, in, in one way, except it's extremely hard. Is that we live as though God is right here. And if we knew his will, we would just do it. And so the Lord's Prayer can turn into this, you know, it's an Our Father. It's a, it's this thing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you, you can pray it. And sometimes, I'm just going to be totally honest, in the best of circumstances, for me, that prayer was a distraction. It was about 15 to 20 seconds where I wasn't thinking really sinful thoughts. Sometimes I was. But but it was like, a, it was like a, a brief distraction from the world. And I'm like, hey, God, you're real. And that's, that's about what the Lord's Prayer was. But did I communicate with God? Not really. I just, I just kind of thought about him for a little bit. Did I position myself humbly before him as a, as a servant, as a subject of his king and his reign? No, I didn't do that either. Did I commit myself to God and say, I'm going to live differently because of this interaction with you where I think about your will and your kingdom and your reign? And your, did I do any of that? No, I didn't do any of that either. I just said this thing. It kind of forced me to stop thinking about whatever I was thinking about. I thought about you for a little while, and that's my devotion. That's what I got for you. And so I, I'm, I'm re, I'm, I don't want to say rewriting. I'm, I'm rephrasing each one of these sections every week. If you remember what we said last week, this week, here's how, here's how I'm, I'm doing this, this section of the, of the prayer. God, I want to live under your reign. I want to live here as if you are here with me in all your glory. I want that attitude to spread around the earth until this place looks the way you want it to. And that's what I meditate on when I say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My hope is that when we pray this, we can actually be asking God to change us. That we are going to tell God, like, God, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to keep doing the same things that I'm doing. That we are going to live as though we are already in his presence. Because guess what, guys? We are. And that will show people what the kingdom is like. And if we do that, that's like bringing heaven here. 
We're showing people what the kingdom is like. And so, uh, next week, we're going to move, we're going to properly position ourselves before God. Next week, we're going to move into those things that we ask Him. And the next week is about give us our daily bread. And what does that mean? There's a lot there, and I'm excited to dig into that. And so, that is all I have for you guys. And now we have Steve Mass is going to do our communion message. So, come on up, Steve.